Welcome to the APTO Show. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today is advocate, actor, director, choreographer, producer, and associate artistic director at Drayton Entertainment, Mr. David Conley. Welcome to the show, Mr. Conley. How are you doing today? <laughs> so good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. May I call you David? <laughs> of course. Awesome. Perfect. So I wanted to get into your acting resume because it's quite an impressive one as I was doing my research. Even that introduction was, I thought, wow, did I get everything under the sun there? But let me just, we just make sure we get everything, you know, put in there for you. So I just wanted to get into your acting resume, like I said. So just after graduating from Sheridan College, you made your Broadway debut in Shenandoah. I may have pronounced that wrong. And it's a musical. Um, And then you became the first amputee that perhaps the only amputee to this date that I can think of anyway, was ever performed on the Broadway stage. So can you tell our listeners a little history about that coming about and how did this Nova Scotia-born boy get from Nova Scotia to the Broadway stage? And when did you know, as they say in the industry, you got bitten by the bug? Mm. Um, wow, that's a lot to cover. I, I was born in Nova Scotia with a congenital deformity that left my lower legs useless. And at the time, long before the internet, long before any kind of support system, um, my family had to figure out, you know, what that meant. So we ended up at the Shriners Hospital in Montreal, where I stayed for five years for them to reconstruct my legs. They did two amputations. And uh, at five years old, I walked home. And they they were just... um, really vigilant about trying to create a a world where I had as many opportunities as possible. Not necessarily arts-based, but um, I think if you're in the arts, you're drawn to the arts, Um, you know, it chooses you, they say. So I think regardless of of having, you know, no feet, uh, there was just something about the community, something about the um, the energy of the arts that drew me. So I, I just grew up loving that. That was my hobby. I was in all of the musicals and all the clubs and a marching band and, you know, just became very musical very early and then ended up at Sheridan College in the musical theater program um, to study this thing. And uh, at the very end of of my college years, uh, there was an audition for that show, like you called Shenandoah. And um, and I got like, it. Like you're in Toronto or in Canada? Here in Toronto, yep. It started in Toronto. I did a, a summer run um, here in, in the city, and it was so successful that they wanted to move it to New York. And so all of a sudden, these Canadians who would normally never have a chance to be there ended up um, on Broadway. And it was only very recently that um, that someone with a thing called Broadway Con, um, the Broadway convention approached me and, and they're the ones who identified that I am still the only amputee to have ever performed on Broadway, which I didn't realize. I never really thought about it or did that homework, but, um, but as you know, um, disabled representation in the media on stage, on screen is, is very, very, very low and, and theater is no exception. So, um, so that's, that's my not very short answer. (laughs) No, that's good. And, you know, um, I was actually going to get into my next question about representation, because I think that's important 
for everyone to understand how we get represented, especially with everything that is going on in Hollywood right now. And it's really what's going on with the, with the world is about representation of everybody and anybody into mass media. So taking us back, you as the pioneer in the entertainment industry now, I'll say that. I think we could say that now as a pioneer in the <laughs> industry. Have you seen growth over the last 30 or so years? Or do you still think we're way far behind and we should be really tapping into these talents that may not always see themselves on Broadway and just say, you know what, let's see what these guys can do kind of thing. We are way far behind. Yes. Which is why it's so important that you do what you're doing, you know, and, and get the word out. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a really vicious cycle because if there's not representation, then young people don't want to train in the craft because they have nothing to aspire to. So there's no role modeling for a disabled person to look on a screen or a stage and say, Hey, that I want to do that. And so when an opportunity arises, perhaps for a, a disabled person, you know, to be involved, the training isn't there. They don't have the skill set required to step into this world class level, you know, experience. And, and so the onus is shared, right? Like everybody has to take responsibility for this problem. It's a problem because if the people on the stage and the screen don't reflect the people who are in the audience, then we're not, you know, then what are we doing? You know, especially now. So, um, so my focus is, is certainly on education. I want to embrace this idea that young disabled people start to um, study in this craft of performing arts so that we can start to, you know, make a dent. Um, but until producers see that there's real talent in, you know, the community of disabled people, then they're not going to make a change. So it's tricky, but it's possible. Right. Um, I, it's almost like, again, kind of auditioning for as an able-bodied, you go in, it's a catch-22. It's like, do I have to have, do you have to be in the union to get a show or to even audition for a show or to actually be in a show? But then it's like, no, you have to be in the union, but how do I get one if I, you don't really audition me to be in a show? Right? So I, I've heard that from, from my able-bodied actor friends that go, well, I can't really be in the union because I haven't done a show, but how do I get one if yeah. I'm not in the show? So then how do you advocate, I guess, the young people? Like what avenues are, let's speak, let's speak Canada, just here in Toronto. How yeah. do you get the children in those communities say, oh, let's do the Nutcracker that is all like, I guess I'm having a hard time as an adult now going, did I even see a person with a disability on stage? How do you get those kids now to be in a show and so that they see somebody them or adults in the show so that kids see them and say hey i can do that too i can work towards that yeah there's a slow shift um the actor who won the best supporting tony last year her name is ali stroker she's in a wheelchair but she's the only wheelchair actor to have ever won a tony um and to have ever been in a musical on Broadway. She was into, she won a Tony for the second one. Um, so there isn't a, a shift. 
Um, I think the responsibility lies on the educational institution. They need to be really aggressive about their solicitation of who they're going after. And I think that that hasn't happened um, to any large extent. I think they need to offer bursaries and incentives and free, you know, tuition to people who are different, um, whatever that means. But we have to start to have, yes, disabled people in the nutcracker. Absolutely. But I think they're waiting for the the people to come to them. And I think that we can do better than that. I think that we can like be really proactive about let's, let's, cause we have the internet, right? So we can Google and search and look at your guests and look at all the people you interact with and say, Hey, like, do you want to come do this workshop so that we can light a flame for you? Do you want to, you know, come watch this rehearsal so that um, you can see that it's possible. Right. I mean, that sounds like it's still a lot of work and I'm glad that we're sort of chipping away at it. And I guess to the other point would be, is Hollywood doing enough? (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I have to ask the question. (laughs) 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 So here's my thing. So um, I do have actor friends in Hollywood and I have friends on Broadway and not going to drop any names, but what i what i'm finding a lot of that's coming out of them and in sharing their media posts and whatnot would be having disabled roles or or roles with people with disabilities played by able-bodied what are your thoughts on that and what do you think hollywood should really be doing uh, to make that transition or make that sort of a more normal thing to actually hire a person with a disability to play those roles yeah such a tricky question, right? Um, right. Important question, but it's deep. You know, it's not it's not a, a black and white thing, I don't think. I think for me, what it brings up is the disabled people need the same talent. Like we don't get a pass because we're disabled to all of a sudden, here's this opportunity that you don't deserve. So we have to make sure on that side of the coin that we are training and honing and being as talented and ready for the opportunity as an able-bodied person. Historically, traditionally, we don't have those opportunities because we haven't been doing that, you know, to the same level that, that, you know, this side of the column has been doing that. So that's my first thought on the subject is that, yes, I agree. Of course, there needs to be better representation, of course, but make sure that you have the talent, right? Like make sure that you're not trying to find a shortcut or a, you know, like tokenism, I guess, um, we want to avoid. So that's, that's my first thought. And then, and then, I think equal to needing the talent, you need the drive, right? Because most successful actors are hungry. So we can't just sit back and wait for these opportunities to come to us and just like put up a post and say, come get me, Hollywood. You know, like you have to be as aggressive with your agent, with your management, with your team to make sure that they know that you're not only available, but that you're talented. So to me, that means get to class and and post the thing, whatever it is you do. It's a monologue, great. If it's a scene, great. If it's a song, do that. But um, uh, I think that it's going to, you know, be a shared, a shared responsibility in the shift. But sometimes I feel like um, the disabled community um, 
just needs to be reminded that it it there's you know no free lunch like i was gonna say that it's still work to to get in there and hone in on your craft and you know if you're going into musicals hone in on your vocals um your acting chops your dancing chops and you're a choreographer so let's talk about that okay. as a choreographer and and you are bilateral below the knee is that correct yeah so i'm just trying to picture this in my head because i can't dance um <laughs> let alone dance try to i mean dancing on prosthetics but i can't even dance even before my amputation so so there's that but you're an athlete so let's I give am. you some credit yeah 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 <laughs> So uh, take us through that process of you choreographing, I guess even the sense of the dancers in the room and then you in front of them. Let's go from that. Okay. And then also, I don't know, you tell me like what the whole room looks like. I've never been in a choreography class or a dance class. I don't know what that looks like, but it's like, do you show them? Do you... What do you do exactly? I'm, and I'm just trying to pick that in my head, and, I, and I, for some reason, I'm just not that creative enough to to think what that looks like. <laughs> um, well, I was a dancer first, and as a dancer, I had limitations because my feet don't point. That's it's just they're bolted on. Like it's like a ninety degree angle. There it is, right? If there's a bolt in the bottom, and like that's not going to point. So um, I had to kind of develop ways and means to kind of disguise that, you know, or like distract. Um, and I, I was, you know, as successful as I could be at that. Um, but there were limitations. And then when I started to cross over into choreographer, the choreography, there was no more limitations because I could, I could get those dancers who had feet, you know, to do anything. So, um, so as far as what the room looks like, I, I do, demonstrate to the best of my ability, but then they do it differently because they have a different capacity. Um, and I always have an extraordinary assistant or two to, you know, um, because I'm also old. So my body doesn't do the things that, you know, young bodies do. And so I'll just kind of, you know, give the idea, whatever it is, and then other people kind of interpret it on their body and that gets further interpreted to, to the dancers. Yeah, no, I always picture these movies that you see where there's a choreographer like Madame Curie, for example, in Phantom, where she just stands there. Yeah. So I'm picturing you with a stick going, this is how you do it. You know? So I'm like, that's my favorite reference of a dance choreography class where these ballerines don't, you know, are trying to do what she's saying and she's not showing a thing. But I'm right. like, that must be what it looks like on a, on a choreography class or um, during a choreography session or a dance lesson. So... But anyway, so thanks for that. But that's 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 very interesting because I, I rarely or I've never really been in a window where there's a class going on or a rehearsal going on and and choreographers are are showing dancers how to move. So I just thought that that was very interesting. And then, and you were saying you are a dancer first and then showing your feet. I mean, you must have done um a lot of upper body work to. Now I'm thinking as an athlete, and it's sort of hard to remove that hat sometimes to get all those moves and those, what I could just imagine what, you know, jazz hands would be um, <laughs> with prosthetics. So are there videos of you on YouTube dancing and like maybe on your younger days of dancing? Cause I think that'll be interesting to. Yeah, there were a couple, um, they did a couple 
documentaries. I don't know if they're on YouTube or not. I haven't looked for a while. There was a, a discovery documentary and there was a, the war amps produced a, a mm. documentary while I was still performing. Right. That. I think that's, yeah. Uh, when you're dancing as a kid, was it like a specific, like, was it tap? Was it jazz? Was it ballet? Was it All or the whole works? The whole works. Yeah. And once I got to school, I didn't do a lot of ballet before college, but once I got to college, we, we had to do all three. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's amazing. I everybody, I mean, all of us, right. We adapt and adopt and like, like, you know, people just same as coaches and athletes, like they just hopefully leave them, leave us alone and say, let us know if you have a problem. That's kind of how it went for me. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Speaking of dance, um, Dance Magazine wrote this about you. David's life demonstrates the quintessential balancing act between career and community service. So I want to take, talk about that next. The premier of Ontario awarded you with Canada's excellence for outstanding contributions to the field of applied arts and community service. So what an amazing honor. So let's talk about your advocacy work. You work with various organizations, including the War Amps. You brought that up earlier, the War Amps Child Amputee Program. Can you tell us more about those projects and what you've done to help raise awareness and uh, funds for the program? Sure. So the War Amputations uh, of Can- War Amps of Canada, as they're known, has a child amputee program called CHAMP. And I was a CHAMP. Were you? No, I was not. Oh. I was 25 when I first became an amputee. Oh, and then yes, I became below knee amputee. Uh, in 2017 and 2019. Okay. So we've been a double below knee four years ago. Got it. Got it. So, so it's, a, it's a wonderful organization that raises funds and awareness. And most importantly, I think, um, well, that's actually really important, as importantly, um, is, is their peer matching. So they'll do seminars where amputees can, child amputees can meet in hotels and like there's all these activities and they can really get to see and know that they're not alone, which is so important. And they can share, you know, stories about how they deal with things and they have great seminars on different topics. And um, so I've been a champ uh, when I moved to Ontario, which is when I was around 10, um, I became a champ. And once you're a champ, you're always a champ. You're always in the program. So um, I, I maintained that kind of ambassador role to speak on their behalf whenever they asked me. Um, and then four years ago, uh, another amputee from Nova Scotia named Taylor Long and I started um, a concert to raise money and awareness for them. And we did uh, three years of a fundraising benefit that kind of grew and grew and grew. And now COVID hit. And so we're going to be on pause for this year, but we'll hopefully be back next year. But you've worked with other um, organizations also. I believe you worked uh, for Fashion Cares. Maybe I'm getting those wrong. Fashion Care for the AIDS Committee of Toronto. And Easter Shields also. Can you tell us about those projects that you've done for them? Sure. I've heard you work with Elton John. I did, yeah. You're royalty. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky. Um, So Fashion Cares was an event that happened for 25 years in Toronto. I was around for the last half of them, so about 14 of those years. I was the choreographer um, of this annual event that, uh, raised money for the AIDS Committee of Toronto, and it was for 
25,000 people. Um, and it was just this like enormous, huge kind of rock concert with hundreds of dancers sometimes. Um, and we had people like, you know, I choreographed for people like Katy Perry and Elton John and Sarah Brightman, Katie Lang, um, a whole bunch of really great, we'd have a, a superstar guest every year. So um, it was just a, you know, a wonderful community, just like, you know, any, any of the, I just feel so fueled by opportunities um, that I get to give back and, and feel, you know, that power of um, uh, radical generosity. Wow. No, that, again, like I said, you have quite a resume with, with mm -hmm. your acting and this, and, and I'm just kind of blown away with all the projects they've done in the past. Katy Perry, Elton John, uh, and the fashion cares every year or is that uh, it's like it's an annual event? It, it was. It's over now. It kind of got to its 25th year. And then because the crisis had shifted, um, they they disbanded it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And are you still involved with doing work on Broadway? You talked about Broadway.com, which I believe was January 2020 this year. So just before COVID hit. Um, so tell me what that was like. Uh, in the Broadway panel, or you curated the, the the panel. Were you in the panel yourself as your as sort of the host or yes. the moderator? Okay. Yes. So um, there's an event called Broadway Con, which stands for Broadway Convention, and thousands of Broadway fans meet theater makers and part of it is uh entertainment and p and broadway will kind of preview what's coming up for the next year and you'll get these like sneak peeks at you know people you know will only see the broadway con and then the other chapter is educational so they run panels um where these broadway fans can learn about broadway and so i went last year 2019 um, for the first time, just as a patron. And they sent out a, um, a survey to say, how was your experience? And I said, it was wonderful. So nice to be around like-minded people, but there it was of all of the offerings you had in education, no one talked about disability or representation. So that's my feedback. See, you know, if that's something you wanted, like, no, I had no, intention of being a part of it and they wrote me back and they were like that sounds like a great idea go ahead and do that um and so i was like and so of course i went to all the people in my life i'm like but they and they're like well better do it and so um then it became this wonderful kind of labor of love where i started to assemble a panel to represent that topic and in january there we were on on a you know on stage at BroadwayCon talking about how to make actionable steps to change. And it was, right. yeah, it was wonderful. And do you see our Canadian landscape, uh, theater-wise, I'd say, in connection with the Broadway community, do you think our, I guess, our community, our theater community will start making moves in incorporating uh, sort of what the panel came out of the pa the panel and what sort of discussed in inclusion and 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 awareness and advocacy for disabled performers to perform. Do you see that changing in our landscape or our our theater landscape accepting that or moving forward with something something that came out of that panel? Yes. Okay. <laughs> A resounding yes. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. No, but okay. go on. Please explain. Well, it, it um, I think that 
you know, based on our experience of the last six months as, as a human race, uh, we have no option now. Like there is no, no one can say I didn't know anymore. You know, like it, the, the roof has blown off this subject of inclusivity, diversity um, and representation. And so I feel so hopeful that it, now that topic is moved to the top of the list. Like it really is, it used to be on the list, but so far down. And now it is the, you know, the, the most important Thing to consider, I think. Um, and even before that happened, there, we had our first, Drayton's been around for 30 years, and we had our first wheelchair actor um, in a play. Oh, wow. in, yeah, in February. He's another Sheridan College graduate, um, George Alavisos. Do you know him? Do you know him yet? Mm -hmm. No, well, he's not an amputee, so that makes sense. Um, anyway, so he's in a wheelchair and he was cast in a role that was not written to be in a wheelchair. Um, it just became part of the character that no one ever spoke about. And it was so exciting to, you know, um, it was a few good men, you know, based on the movie. And so it was about, you know, war people, um, you know, people, uh, so, it just changed the lens of the storytelling and it was just so interesting and like hugely successful and all the things that we thought that maybe would be um, challenging weren't at all. It just, you just have to adapt. Like you just adapt the space and you right. build a ramp and you move the microwave down. Like it's so easy, but people I think are afraid of what they don't know. Right. We know that. Right. Right. So, so um, that, that was a wonderful step in the right direction. We also had a, um, I run the youth program at Drayton and we had a young man who's also at Sheridan College. He's um, Ben Faulkner is his name. He's a one-legged amputee, wonderful talent. And, um, and so we had him star in the youth, our youth program production. Uh, but again, I reached out to Ben. I was, I, I knew about Ben. I reached out. I'm like, Ben, you're coming to do this. And, and we're giving you a scholarship and you need to be here and you need the experience and you need to meet these people and like hone your craft. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Ben because, um, yeah, he's, he's, that potential to change the whole conversation. Right. So. I, th I think to what you were saying before is we need to reach out to those folks. We need to also be reaching out as an institution to, to say, hey guys, this is also available. So I'm glad you're doing that. It's a young, is it like a young theater camp or? It's a, it's a, it's, we call it the Youth Musical Theater Program and it operated in the summer. And then we kind of um, advanced that this year to have plans to do a high school musical, which would have been engaging all of the high schools in our region um, to be involved. but. COVID shut that down for now, um, but it is absolutely a goal of that project to get into those high schools and find those people who are not necessarily in the theater program yet, um, but that identify as disabled and just see if they'll like, just try it, just try it. Right. Give us one month, you know, um, just to start to open doors. Good. And how long is the program? Is it for the whole semester of a year, like a, a school year, just like you would at Sheridan? And what are the age groups that can join or who can join? Yeah, it it, uh, it ranges from kind of eight, eight to 18. We have kind of a preteen and a teen and a pre-professional, three, three columns. Um, and right now we're a bit in flux. We don't know quite how it's going to evolve out of this time. Um, we're starting online learning um, soon. And... Uh, 
and then we'll see how this, you know, all evolves about being together. And, and the sooner we can get back in a rehearsal hall and start doing that, we will. Wow, that's that's amazing to hear. And I know that you hold master classes online. So the online world is working for you somehow, delivering master classes. Can you tell us more about that? Adapt, adapt, adapt. We are, you know, if we know one thing, it's how to adapt. That's we'll give that right. So we 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 are blessed with this kind of X-ray vision and ability to adapt to the situation. So the situation became clear that we could not um, be together. And I didn't want people to lose hope or um, stop singing, you know? So uh, it started with uh, musical theater performance masterclasses where people in a Zoom room kind of sing their song and get feedback and sing it again. And it's very, um, it's thrilling actually to have people feel that feeling. Um, and that evolved into a directing for musical theater class, which I started doing about a month ago, which is super popular and really fun because it's not something I normally have time to do. So um, I, I, yeah, I have nothing but time now. And so, you know, I, and so, and I teach privately and, and it's just great. It's, it's about, again, like minds, you know, and just people needing that sense of connection and community like you're providing with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're a very busy guy with master classes and the youth program and all the advocacy that you do. There's one quote that I wanted to sort of uh, mention in this interview. You said in an interview that I never saw myself as a victim um, about you being a dancer, and we talked about that, and a prominent choreographer. So what advice would you give kids, and really anybody um, who wants to break into the industry? What message will you have for them that you want to take away from what you shared today in your story? Mm. Um, I guess there are two. One is to a disabled kid, <clears throat> which is a different message. Uh, to to to, it's a special message, I, I should say, um, which is that there is nothing wrong with you. And that took me a really long time to understand, to fully believe. I thought I, I thought that in our case, you know, being amputees, that having less of your body meant you were less of a person. Um, that was just m my narrative. Um, and that disabled, that, you know, the disabled it's like, you know, back to this conversation of the last six months that like ability is the center of the circle and everything kind of navigates around this thing called normal, right? And so all of a sudden these disabled kids feel abnormal and even the word disabled, right? Does that mean like I'm not something? Um, so, so my work with disabled kids when I get to do that is to really really try to encourage them to feel like that that epicenter is not you know ability it we, we all belong there is no center we just all belong in this room and and to and again to make sure the parents are clear that uh the goal is not to fix the child that that there's nothing wrong right because a, a lot of because again through the champ program i'll meet new parents of new amputees who think that, oh, I have to fix this. No, because if that kid thinks that you're trying to fix them, they're going to believe that there's something wrong with them. And that's 
that we want to avoid that. Um, again, from personal experience, it's not something that you, you know, you want to carry with you. Um, so that's my message to disabled kids. And my message to kids is to not compare themselves. Um, and that goes for no matter how many arms or legs you have, right? No matter how many feet and hands and fingers, like in this world of social media, and especially in this world of the last six months, when that's all really we have is the screen, then people are, are I think, in a very unhealthy way, um, looking you know to other people to say i don't have that i don't have that i don't want that I, you know as opposed to like really honing what makes them unique because if we're talking about acting that is the only chance you have to be successful is to find what makes you different than the 40 other people that are going to come in the room that day and so it's it, it, the, it's hard work it's hard work. It takes practice to not constantly compare and what I don't have and what I need as opposed to like, wait a minute, I'm a unicorn. I am, you know, the only person that has this life experience to offer my craft. And so I need to, I need to lean into that and, and, you know, find out, make that even more special, um, rather than try to fit into a mold of this thing I see up there, um, and, and, and just break the mold, just break it. Right. No, I think that's a great message to, to have, um, and to, to hear really, I, I resonate a lot of those things that you've said, especially with the comparison bit, there is a lot of going, things going on in social media about, you know, keeping up really with the Kardashians. If this person is doing it, I must be doing it better than that. And I think, and I see that to new amputees, adult amputees as well. It's like, yes, you may have heard me doing this, but my journey of amputation is different from yours and it's unique to you. Your journey of amputation is unique to you. What that's going to do is just frustrate yourself and going, why am I not there yet? And it's like, because your challenge is unique to you. It's not the same as me. So we have different goals. We have different things that we need to work on for ourselves. I may have worked on accepting myself really fast where you're still going through the giving process. So you're just going to aggravate and frustrate yourself by trying to be something that you may be not ready for, I guess is for lack of a better term. So I think, I, I don't know if you, you know, if that's sort of the same thing, but that, to me, it's like, I wouldn't really be comparing myself to that because I'm me. Mm. Right. You've done you've done a wonderful job of doing that. I, I, everything I know about you, you have succeeded in that goal. So, Thank you. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And and yes, I totally agree with everything you just said. It is the Kardashians' fault. <laughs> Got to blame someone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so where can people find you? Well, my website is davidwconnolly.com, um, and everything kind of. You know, we'll branch off from that. My Insta is there. David W. Connolly is the Insta. Um, yeah, and I'm on Facebook. And right. so, all your, so your master classes are on there that you're offering yeah. um, the program and the projects that you're working on with Warhamps is, is also on there, correct? Correct. There's still certainly a lot of work to have inclusion in the entertainment industry, in theater, and in Hollywood. I want to thank David Conley for joining me today. Provide the links on my website at www.airstotledemoa.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Amputeer Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been The Amputeer Show Podcast.